Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only Internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce today's special guest. I'm happy to announce that I'm now working on my next book. The title is Reclaim Your Digestive Health and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your GI Distress with Natural Treatments. Now this book should be ready later this year, so keep an eye out for it. Okay, that's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. This week's show is all about vitamin D, and my special guest is Carol Baggerly. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Carol is the founding director of Grassroots Health and the leader of the D Action Project, which is an international project designed to solve the world's vitamin D deficiency epidemic. Carol, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. I'm absolutely delighted. Thank you very much for having me. So, Carol, I get asked very often about vitamin D in my private practice at Functional Medicine Ontario. So, our our listeners, you know, we've been talking about vitamin D for so many years now, but still, people have a lot of questions. So, can you just talk to our listeners today about what vitamin D deficiency is and how prevalent is it? First of all, it's a worldwide problem. Its prevalence is probably 80 to 90 percent of the world's population everywhere. And it is very serious because vitamin D is used in absolutely every cell in our body. You can actually think of it as a little bit like water. I mean, it's that important to us. Um, One of the big questions we always get is, if it's so important, why do we have it? I mean, why do we have this deficiency? How did this happen? And the really, really, really simple but really basic answer is we're out of the sun. The way our bodies were structured to receive and create vitamin D for us was by sun exposure. And all over the world, we have people who have been part of the Industrial Revolution. It's just basic. We're inside. And it's really only been in the last 10 to 20 years that all of a sudden we see the effects of that. And it's monster. Um, So it just affects everything. So for our listeners out there, even if you live in a sunny location like Miami, you still could very much have vitamin D deficiency because for a lot of us, we spend, uh, you know, we're 95 Monday through Friday in an office. And uh, a lot of times when we go out into the sun, we use sunscreen. And what does that do to vitamin D when we use sunscreen, Carol? Uh, well, guess. <laughs> <laughs> It keeps the vitamin D from being produced in the skin. And that's another sort of message. If, if one wants to use the sun for uh, 
getting vitamin D, which we actually very much advocate that you can. The hours at which the UVB rays that are available from the sun um, is really between the hours of 10 and 2, the times when you're told to stay out of it. And our message is that please do use the sun, but the safe message is don't burn. If you don't burn and pay attention to that, you can safely use the sun. But the real issue here is how much time it takes. Uh, I personally am a mature adult, um, and my body does not produce vitamin D at the rate that a younger person's might. And for me to get enough vitamin D from the sun in sunny San Diego, all right, would be at least 20 to 30 minutes every single day between those hours with 90% of my body exposed, right? You're not going to get it from your hands and your face and your arms. There's, nobody is. Um, so for sun exposure, um, just be aware that, number one, the safety message is don't burn. And then the hours that the vitamin D is available is really between 10 and 2. And late afternoon and early morning, they're very nice for walks, but they're not going to help you with sunshine or with the vitamin D production. So basically, we have to be in shorts and a t-shirt or a bathing suit <laughs> right? Um, or topless even. Um, but yeah, we have to have uh, the majority of our skin exposed. And it needs to be during those peak hours. And even if you have very fair skin, like I have very fair skin, within usually 10, 15 minutes, I start to burn. So you have to just figure out what that window is for you before you start burning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Carol, can you talk a little bit about the symptoms of vitamin D deficiency? Because I remember reading, um, I think it was Dr. John Cannell said that vitamin D is the great mimicker. How, from a symptom perspective, how would we even know if we have vitamin D deficiency? In general, you don't. Um, the biggest a fact that we see, though, that people report within our study cohort, which has got about 10,000 people in it, and I invite all of you listeners to join that, um, is that within literally weeks of people starting on a vitamin D regimen that gets their serum levels up, weeks, people talk about having less pain. So generally muscular skeletal type pain or overall body pain or people who have fibromyalgia even report considerably less pain. That's almost the only symptom that an individual user will notice. However, there are so many effects uh, that are observed from a group or a statistical perspective. Um, for example, breast cancer and all cancers combined. We're just getting ready to publish a paper within weeks that shows something like a 60% reduction in all cancers by getting serum levels up to right at 40 nanograms per milliliter or 100 nanomoles per liter. Uh, similar numbers are available for diabetes. We've also been doing some things with multiple sclerosis, which shows very similar things. There's a new research paper coming out um, about asthma and the effect of asthma on newborns as a result of the moms having 
enough vitamin D. And by enough, that's really important too, the enough level that we find in our research is in the 40 to 60 nanograms per milliliter range or again in the international unit 100 to 150 nanomoles per liter. And that's higher than most doctors currently are aware of, but it, that's where it's got to be. So as you were saying earlier, every single cell in the body requires vitamin D and has vitamin D receptors. Mm -hmm. And there's so much interesting research coming out on vitamin D on all of these different health issues, cancer, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, all kinds of stuff. It's so amazing. And yet, I know for us here in Ontario, the government has stopped paying for vitamin D testing because it's a relatively expensive test to do, but yet it can be so helpful preventatively to fix that vitamin D deficiency. So when I have a patient coming in there like, why isn't my doctor testing me? Sometimes I don't even know how to answer that question. Well, I'd like to give you a, a supplement to add to your, your response. Thing. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> we actually have a video on our website done by Dr. Haney, Dr. Robert Haney, called Y Test. I encourage people to see that. But the bottom line with testing, the Y Test, is because we as individuals and the way our body processes supplements in particular, if, for example, you have one person taking 2,000 international units of vitamin D a day, their serum level, which is the measure, could be 20 nanograms per milliliter. Another person taking exactly that same amount, 2,000 IU a day, could have a serum level of 120 nanomoles per liter, or excuse me, 120 nanograms per milliliter. The response to a given dose can vary by a factor of six. And if you don't test, you really don't know where you are. You certainly don't know where your patients are. And the society right now is not willing to dose at a level of about 10,000 IU a day where you really don't need to test. Like if you gave everybody 10,000 IU a day, it would really get about 90% of the population up. But the, the medical people are still hesitant to recommend that, even though it's considered a safe recommendation. So bottom line, you have to test or you don't know what an appropriate dosage is for a given individual. And even then, the way you have to test is you do a baseline test, you figure out what it is, you give some vitamin D supplement, and there's a beautiful chart and even a calculator on our website to, to figure that out. And then you measure again in about three months and see how did this individual respond. Um, may I go on a minute again about Canada, though? I'd like to make a comment Absolutely. There. Yes, please. Okay. I have done a lot of work in Canada and worked with many, many delightful people there. And one of the reasons that I think the government stopped providing the testing was quite honestly the doctors did not know what to do with the results and in a purely business or practical standpoint why should you be spending all this money on something when 
people don't know what to do with the answer. So back again to a, a broader type movement that I think would be very beneficial in Canada would be to provide a lot of education um, to the medical profession about here's what vitamin D does, here's what it takes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then to reinstitute testing across the board. In the meantime, I would really encourage um, however it can get paid for, whether by individuals or partly by recommendations or something, please, please get tested. Yeah, vitamin D test in Canada costs between 40 and $50, depending on the lab. Mm-hmm. And, and as Carol was explaining, vitamin D does not react in your body in a dose-dependent manner. It can vary greatly, and that's why it's so important to get tested, to know your numbers, then start either supplementing with vitamin D or get it from the sun and then retest down the line to see how much vitamin D you need to take or how much sun you need to get your levels in the appropriate ranges. Mm. Okay, so Carol, I want to ask you something else. Um, So you mentioned patients with chronic pain. That can be a really common Yes, it is. Symptom of vitamin D deficiency. You know, that makes me think there's so many people out there who think they have arthritis, who are seeing a, the physio or the chiropractor or the acupuncturist or the massage therapist for their pain, but it could simply be a vitamin D deficiency. It could be that simple. It could be that simple, or at least vitamin D is a major contributor, one that which people might notice the difference. So for sure, it ought to be part of any uh, recommended solution. Now, who is most impacted by vitamin D deficiency? Um, don't quite know how to answer that. I think we all are in different ways. I think, like, we're running a a um, a Protect Our Children Now project, which is aimed at getting pregnant women. Um, to get their serum levels up to at least 40 nanograms per milliliter to help prevent preterm births and many things like that. And more research, excuse me, is coming out showing that it greatly affects the life of that newborn for decades, all right? So those most affected and, you know, if the biggest bang for the buck is, oh, my gosh, make sure all of your people considering pregnancy or pregnant women get up because they're going to be affecting themselves and the lives of others for a very long time. Um, certainly, though, it, it affects um, people with cancers uh, and or who are in the, the market, as it were, for having cancer, for multiple sclerosis. I'm just amazed at what we have recently found out um, by collaborating with a number of researchers, it looks like multiple research, excuse me, multiple sclerosis could almost go to zero if people got enough vitamin D. Again, in pregnancy or early childhood, it could be prevented. So no matter what your age, you should be tested. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. If you're, absolutely. If you're a newborn baby or if you have a newborn baby, <laughs> that newborn baby should be tested. If you're 90 years old, you should be tested. <laughs> Yes. Oh. And supplemented. Don't forget that. Tested and supplemented and then retested. Right. I know I know in my practice I'll I test pretty much every patient that comes through my office 
And out of all of those patients that I've tested, I've honestly only had one that did not require vitamin D. I believe it. So it's that common in Canada. And like I said, even if you live in a sunny place like Miami, you could still have vitamin D deficiency quite easily. So get tested, start on vitamin D or start getting more sunshine during those peak hours, Mm -hmm. having the majority of your skin exposed, and then get retested maybe two or three months down the line. Right. One of the other issues that we get asked about a lot, Carrie, is toxicity. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that a minute. One of the things that came out loud and clear with our very first paper that we published in 2011, um, really a dose-response curve, showed very clearly that after people get to about 40 nanograms per milliliter, 100 nanomoles per liter, um, the effect of each incremental dose was less. And what that really means is it's really hard to get in a toxic range. Your body just kind of slows down how it's producing vitamin D after you get up to that 40 to 60 range, which is good. Uh, And the same is true with sunshine. Your body literally turns off the vitamin D production after you get somewhere around 10 to 20,000 IU a day. The actual numbers for toxicity for a serum level would be uh, right at 200 nanograms per milliliter or 500 nanomoles per liter, which is what they measure in Canada. Uh It's very hard to get there. Uh, And the, the measure of toxicity would be to be hypercalcemic. You have too much calcium in your blood or your urine. Uh, and the way to solve a hypercalcemic problem is essentially to stop taking vitamin D. It is not something that would generally be um, long-term disruptive to your body if all you do is stop taking it. So the toxicity issue needs to be acknowledged. It can, it can get toxic, but it's very, very unusual. Um, it's, and like you said, it's, it's hard to get to those toxic levels. But even if you are at those toxic levels, if your calcium in your blood is normal, you're you're not toxic. You're fine. You're not toxic. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people have that question about, can I get too much? Yeah, you can, but it's it's hard to get to that point. Well, actually, almost all the toxicity reports to date over many decades have been industrial accidents, meaning that uh, a manufacturer, for example, one of the earliest ones reported was some a milk manufacturer, you know, adding vitamin D to the milk. Well, instead of 100 units, he added a million units. And so people drinking the milk for weeks at a time would get way too much vitamin D. So that's what I'm calling an industrial accident. Um, that person did not purposefully take too much. And there have been a few other examples like that. Um, but individuals very seldom have reported any toxicity. Now, Carol, can you talk um, to some extent on uh, vitamin K2? and vitamin D together? 
Not as much as you might like. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought I'd ask. <laughs> well, you're welcome to ask, and I'm happy to say where we are with that. Okay. Um, because we, Grassroots Health, are engaged in quite a lot of nutrient research beyond just vitamin D, there are a lot of things that impact our bodies um, that work together. And one of the things that we all know about nutrients like vitamin D and vitamin K is they work together. Um, so if you take twice as much vitamin D with vitamin K, your result of either would be different than if you just took one of them. So you have to do that kind of balance thing. At this point in time, there certainly is some evidence that in measuring um, what are called the surrogate markers of vitamin K, like um, a protein in the blood that is not fully made properly uh, shows up a lot when you have a deficiency of vitamin K. The actual measures of vitamin K itself, like to really measure the amount of K1 or K2 in the blood, we don't really know what it means yet. Um, and we are, Grassroots Health is currently engaged in doing some research with um, a contingent of people who take vitamin D and take vitamin K, whether it be K1, K2, or some combo, and of course, the diet is a big source of that. So you've got all those variables to look at. But the news generally is we need vitamin K. Um, don't know how much. Um, don't know exactly how it interacts with D yet. Um, and its effect seems, the, the effects that people are looking at certainly are uh, blood clotting. Every vitamin, excuse me, every infant in the U.S., actually gets a vitamin K one shot upon birth. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. Uh, because they are deficient enough that if they don't get that shot, some of them bleed to death. So their blood does not clot properly. Now, it's really easy and logical to say that's because the mom's deficient. The same thing happened with vitamin D. Uh, and then the vitamin K2 is being looked at as being very closely linked to various calcification or arterial kind of things. Um, so it does not seem to be hazardous to your health to take it. So it's one of those um, why nots. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll know more in the future. <laughs> That's right. I hope so. I hope so. We're trying. So we've been talking about vitamin D. Um, using supplements, getting it from the sun, and um, is are, are there any foods that are high in vitamin D? Can you talk about that aspect? Sure. Um, we are finding that there's actually more in food than we thought, um, but from a non... Um, uh, non-enhanced standpoint, like milk is artificially supplemented mostly with vitamin D. Um, there's various forms of what we call fatty fish. Salmon is one. It might have the equivalent of about 400 international units a day. And since most people need about 4,000 to 8,000 a day, you come to the very quick conclusion that I'm not going to eat 10 servings of salmon a day. All right. So, yes, there is some in, in food, but almost the only foodstuffs that would provide enough for a daily diet 
aren't in their diet anymore. I mean, there's the they've talked about the Alaskan or the Inuits having um, whale blubber to eat. Well, there was lots of vitamin D in that. Okay, <laughs> so there is still some to be measured in, like the agricultural industry is fortifying animals with vitamin D. And you can buy eggs now, which have, um, they advertise anyway, at least 400 IU per egg, which is fantastic. Uh, we actually see food fortification as being kind of like the ultimate of how to get out of this trap of the deficiency because you're just never going to have everybody in the population taking supplements. It doesn't work. And worldwide, that's just not the answer. Um, so we have to look to other avenues to get it out. So um, let's let's talk a little bit now about preventive medicine because a lot of our listeners are very interested in what can I do now to be more healthy in the future? Mm-hmm. Obviously, vitamin D is one of the huge things. Yes, of course. So... In Canada right now, the rate of um, cancer is estimated to be one in three people will have cancer in their lifetime. One in three? Has that one. gone up? That sounds enormous. One in three. And in Ottawa, where I live, it's one in two. Oh, my gosh. People have cancer in their lifetime. So these are astronomical numbers. Now, it's just Canada. Right. Oh, my gosh, Carol. So if, with your initiative, with the grassroots and the D-Action initiative, if we can really get vitamin D deficiency cured worldwide, what would that mean for cancer, do you think? Well, uh, we have seen within our research, back again to our cohort, a reduction of about um, 80% of all cancers. And the dominant ones, of course, are breast and prostate and colon cancer. Uh, but an 80% reduction, so <laughs> it's just kind of like... Um, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, and it's cheap, it's safe, and it's effective. So there really needs to be a massive campaign, no holds barred, saying, hey, everybody, get your serum levels up. And what about cardiovascular disease? Because that's right up there with cancer as a top one and two killers right. in North America, at least. Right. There's lots of evidence indicating that vitamin D impacts blood pressure, uh, as well as sunshine, by the way, but not through vitamin D. Sunshine and the UVA, the UVA rays from the sun, actually have an impact on um, blood pressure and atherosclerosis. So there's... I don't remember the exact numbers right now, Carrie. It's not as big as cancer, but it's very significant. The reduction in all-cause mortality and other cardiovascular disease. Well, actually, there was one that I do remember. There was a um, a reduction in heart attacks in men, a, a research paper published several years ago that had a 30% reduction in that. I mean, that's just one. Mm-hmm. So your initiative with curing vitamin D deficiency worldwide could have massive effects on the health of the world's population. The estimate uh, from a health standpoint is that if the vitamin D deficiency were solved, we would save the world about 35% of all of its health care dollars. Amazing. 
I know, it's just flabbergasting. <laughs> okay, so Carol, what else can we do? Is there any other information that you think is really pertinent for our listeners to know about? Um, depending upon where you are, and I mean mentally as well as financially and whatever, if you say my ideal world is for everybody to get a vitamin D test and, and go about things that way and get your serum level to that 100 to 115 animals per liter, all right? If you say, don't bother me, I'm going to do something simpler, okay? <laughs> Lots of people are like that. I would really encourage people to, um, again, if they feel comfortable doing it, knowing that they can take uh, anywhere between 4,000 international units um, up to 10,000 international units a day uh, and be in a, a safe range. Go for it. I mean, really simple. But obviously, the more measured you can be about it, like with the test and tracking your health outcomes, uh, the better off, I think, the public health is. Um, and, and there are tests available through your doctor, and there are tests available online, independently if you don't have a doctor a simple finger finger prick test please join our the action cohort that terry keeps talking about um so so tell our listeners about the action cohort sure we started a project in 2009 because so many people around the world were saying hey i'd do this but my doctor won't order the test for me uh, so we created a scientific project with our researchers. By the way, we have 48 of the world's really well-published vitamin D researchers on a panel that supports what we are doing and provides guidance and, and all of that. But anyway, we started a project in 2009, and the project consists of offering to anybody who wants to pay for the test um, the opportunity to do a vitamin D test twice a year, each six months, uh, and please fill in a health questionnaire. And the test cost is $65, but you can get it for 60 with a, a subscription. And from time to time, we have special offers as well. But it's no more than you'd probably pay uh, with a medical thing. But this gets you a kit to be used at home with a finger prick. And you do your little fingerprint and bleed a little bit on this piece of paper and send it in. And then we send you back your test results and a lot of information. On our website, whether or not you enroll, there's a fantastic information set on grassrootshealth.net showing you um, everything from research kind of stuff. There's a little calculator to say how much vitamin D do I need. Um, there's certainly a lot of research articles and stuff that people can, can look at. And you can just sign up for a newsletter and get stuff on a regular basis as well. So again, your website is? Grassrootshealth.net. Perfect. So I'll make sure that that is in the notes for the podcast so that our listeners can easily find all of this great information. Okay. Carol, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has just been an awesome interview. Thank you very much, Carrie. I appreciate the opportunity. And to all of your listeners, congratulate her, Carrie, for helping publicize the world. 
All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Carol Baggerly. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.